Hello and welcome to the Bond pe- Belt. That did not work well. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bell Podcast. My name is Marcy Timmerman. I'm the Executive Director of MHA Kentucky. And today I am seeding the podcast conversation over to Rebecca Taylor. She is our MSW practicum student. She's been doing a really great job researching about COVID-19 and mental health. This is episode four. Uh, so she's going to do a little bit of recapping and information and I'm just going to let her take over. Well, thanks, Marcy, for putting that on my lap. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, So a brief summary of last episode, we discussed survivor's guilt and how that has affected our perspectives on reopening. And we talked about different techniques to help with grief and and how we have experienced that grief during this pandemic. And so some of those Techniques, just to recap, were belly breathing, five senses, meditation, muscle relaxation, etc. And this week, we will discuss the emotions people have experienced through the reopening process. And we will discuss a phrase of what is normal and if getting back to that normal is a realistic goal. That's Did really you, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Did you want me to jump in? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted to jump in after the summary or if you wanted to, I just didn't know. Okay. If you want to do the whole thing, like just you, that's fine. I think you're getting a lot more natural at it. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to keep going, I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's up to you though. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we're just, do you gonna... like it better with the back and forth? I, I do. Okay. All right. If you like it that way, I can do that. Sorry. I was dealing with the text. Sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) Sorry, editor person. I'll take these out before I send them their way. So the big chunks like that, I get rid of it before I send it to anyone. So don't panic about that or worry either. Um, so yeah. Um, so, okay. We're on second paragraph, right? Have you heard government officials in the news say they're ready to get back to normal? Is that where we are? Okay. So I keep hearing government officials and others say uh, they're ready to get back to quote unquote normal, right? Um, I don't like that phrase. What do you think about it? Yeah, I have to agree with you, Marcy. I I don't like that phrase either. Um, so I'm not sure like why people use quote unquote getting back to normal because you know, I think the word normal is not realistic and normal cannot be used universally for everybody mm-hmm. because what is normal for me could be very unnormal for someone else. So for me, I study eight hours a day for a master's in social work. And, you know, I have my own little quirks. I have the quirks of my husband and You know, somebody might not put up with those quirks. Somebody might not want to study for eight hours a day for a social work program. Mm -hmm. So the word normal is not a word that I can see being universal for everybody's situations because everybody's circumstances are different. 
-hmm. and their way of coping is also not normal to everybody else. And I may be the only one that feels this way, but let me explain my thinking. Okay. So this COVID-19 pandemic has opened my eyes to how we are all not living a normal life routine. And so, and I say that because, you know, I have seen different people have their own difficulties, circumstances, coping skills that are not used universally. And I'm going to take some quotes from an Atlantic article. And the Atlantic article states, quote, I think some people believe we pressed pause and we'll go back to the things or back to the way things were before. As if we didn't have all the intervening experiences as if 2020 didn't happen. As if getting a vaccine erases your memory, end quote. And of course we all know that vaccines do not erase our memories. Yeah, let's make that very clear. We're not saying that at all. <laughs> Vaccines do not do that, people. <laughs> do not start a new trend, right? <laughs> so just be very clear. It is a metaphor that was used to get to the point that people want to get back to pre-COVID life. And I personally don't ever want to press pause and go back to pre-COVID life. I have grown from so many different experiences through COVID-19 and moved in a direction upward in my life that I would not have had without this COVID-19 pandemic. And so I just like to ask a question to everybody out there listening. Are there people that wish their experiences held them back from growth and kept them captive. Now let's just think about that. <laughs> I do not believe so. What do you think, Marcy? Yeah, you're saying, are they, do they wish their experiences held them back from growth and kept them captive? Yeah, I don't know anyone who likes feeling trapped by their circumstances. That's a really common expression that I kept hearing during COVID too, is people felt trapped without options trapped in the uncertainty, right? Trapped in grief. We can't forget that, you know, people lost jobs, lives changed a lot. Um, so no, I think you're right. It's a, it's a good point to make that we don't go back to normal because normal wasn't existing in the beginning. Right. And then we're also talking about the fact that what is normal. Right. And then, yeah, we all learn and grow and whether we like it or not, the pandemic happened. Right. And it affected us and changed us. Uh, no matter how lightly, and it might've been survivor's guilt, right? And maybe that it didn't affect you very much. And you feel guilty about that because so many of your friends or family were infected. So I think that's really important. Um, yeah, it's really important to think about. So in the last episode, um, you discussed a lion that paces within a captive environment. I really like that visual for those days when I felt trapped, right? When I felt limited by the, the thing. So uh, what do you think the lion feels? In that metaphor, like, how is that lion feeling? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you know, I, I just want to touch back on, you know, feeling captive and being held back by different burdens from different situations that we have in our lives. And, you know, that is the lion. He is in a captive environment. But do we think that the lion wants to go back to quote unquote normal and forget that he was ever in captivity? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't work that way. When he would be able to escape from his confined environment, he would have learned who to trust and who not to trust. And he would have learned to keep his guard up on different occasions and to forget his hostage environment would be dire to his existence because he he has learned so many different skills from being in that captive environment. And then he has learned from that captive environment to create a place where captivity is is not going to affect him again. Does that make sense? So you're saying that really the lion has kind of learned how to avoid captivity in the future and how to deal with captivity and get out of it. And I really think that's important just to recap that. Um, yeah, that we can be feeling stuck and feeling caged and feeling trapped, but then we learn from within that cage and feeling trapped. Uh, we get those skills to extract ourselves. And I think that that's a really important piece. That's really good. So yeah, it's been a year, right? <laughs> As you say, uh, you, in your research for this, you were like, there's an Atlantic article that says it's been a year. Why aren't we adjusted to this? Um, and someone was like, I found that question very unusual. Uh, we can't expect your people to go through this. And I think that's really important. You're not going to just get over the feelings that you've had, right? Um, people suffer in between stuff all the time and they're suffering now, um, just on a bigger scale. Uh, now we are all in a situation where things are thrown up in the air and chaos of some sort. So recognizing that those effects need to be addressed is really important. Um, yeah. That's a, it's a really good article in the Atlantic. We'll put that in our uh, show notes for folks, because I think the whole thing really goes through a lot of great information. Um, yeah. And that's a really good choice that you picked that one. So thanks Rebecca for bringing that to our attention. Um, but yeah, go, let's go back to normal. That word, like we tend to say it's a setting on the washer or dryer, right? And mental health. So um, I was curious what you think about that word though. So we could dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. And normal is a word that we as a society use universally for everyone. And especially during this COVID-19 pandemic. But we have said it many times when we go through challenges and struggles, just in general, not even with COVID-19 in place. And, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic has even had me reflect on how I have heard myself say, I just wish that I was normal, or I wish my life was normal. And I'm saying this in a way that is so detrimental towards myself, towards my life, that it just blew me away when I was even making this podcast. Like I was seriously thinking, oh my goodness, why, why would I say that to myself? I am coming across as rude. I am 
not validating any of my feelings. And I would never say that to a friend that is struggling. I would never say that to a stranger that is struggling. So why say it to myself? And, you know, we are all unique and we don't have to live as robots. And, you know, so the the question that comes to mind is why can't we all just accept that each and every one of us is unique and we don't have to be robots in order to live in a mundane quote unquote normal life. Yeah. Is the word quote unquote normal used in a positive light or are we all using it in a way that can hurt us from a life that we could enjoy? And I honestly think that the word quote unquote normal is not used very positively in public everyday language. And that is why I think we should get rid of it altogether. The public should be willing to have a growth mindset instead of wishing to be quote normal or go back to normal end quote important thing to think about yeah the word normal is only detrimental that's an interesting spin um yeah i love that that you're wanting to talk more about the growth mindset i think that's a really good choice of life choice that i made a long time ago Uh, but it was i was in grad school though before i did that so it's not something that i learned you know growing up and things like that although i think pieces of it i did capture from people in my life looking backwards right but that growth mindset is an intentionality right? You're very much changing the way you look at the world. So you're switching from this concept of, well, everyone is just like me, right? And you're looking more outside and bigger at you. I uh, didn't know if you wanted to talk more about like what go with mindset really means like more clinically and more, you know, research wise <laughs> than maybe my everyday conversation about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've all heard, you know, growth mindset in different ways in our lives and different circumstances and situations. So I'll just go over, you know, a brief definition and then talk about what it is, what the stereotypes are and what it actually is. That's a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) So the definition of a growth mindset is when people think their skills and intelligence is improved through effort and persistence And these people embrace challenges, they overcome obstacles, learn from criticism, and find inspiration in others. And, you know, I have heard this growth mindset term used in school districts as it is part of their curriculum for their students. It can help students' self-esteem, problem-solving skills, and life skills increase in life. But, you know, we start looking at this pandemic as a way to push through it and address the effects of COVID-19 has had on people. But the growth mindset is not just a positive thinking method. And and that's really what I want to focus on. It's not just, oh, if I think positively, everything's going to be okay. You know, there are definitely negative side effects to each situation. There are definitely the pros and the cons. And so instead of, instead of looking at just the negatives or just the positives, 
this growth mindset looks at both. It looks at the good and the bad side effects and how people can use those together as stepping stones for a better future. Yeah, I think that's really important. You can't just positive think your way out of things. <laughs> For only focusing on the positive and ignoring the fact that reality exists, right? Reality has various shades of positive and negative. I think that's really important. And you're right, growth mindset is how do I use the best of this? And that's really cool. I really like the way you talked about that. So um, with Kentucky reopening uh, and a little bit from COVID-19 and kind of going through fluctuations, various stages of reopening, closing again. <laughs> Um, you think people would be excited, right? About that. So curious what you think though, as an outsider looking in what you would expect in Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, we do expect, or at least I, ex I would expect that people would be excited for this next step of reopening or currently, you know, in the reopening process. Um, and I'd like to look at a quote from the Atlantic article and it states, things are getting better, so why don't we feel better? A lot of us are really confused by it because we feel like we made it through and can see a little light at the end of the tunnel. If you've been swimming furiously for a year, you don't expect to finally reach dry land and feel like you're drowning, end quote. Whew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. Whew. <laughs> you know, I related to this quote so much. And I, I have seen how I have struggled to feel better, even with the reopening, the creation of the vaccines, and seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. And I liked how it stated that we have all been swimming furiously to survive because we literally have been. <laughs> and that when it is finally time to trust the land beneath our feet, we get nervous. We are not sure if that land from underneath us will fall again. Mm -hmm. And even with this Delta variant, it's, it's almost like the sand has fallen beneath our feet. Yeah. And so yet again, we are trying to swim and reach this dry land that is there. And we, we just need to learn to trust it. And I also think that the word quote unquote normal comes into play again. So we are swimming for so long, comparing ourselves to the past and wanting so desperately to go back to this quote unquote normal. And I think we should not have this fixed mindset of wanting the past of pre-COVID life, but we should have this growth mindset and stop the comparison game because that's really what's so detrimental is this comparison game of seeing, oh, so-and-so is doing fine. She's not struggling or he's not, he's not over here eating ice cream like I am. <laughs> yep. All of our fun, like coping mechanisms, huh? Yeah. That <laughs> comparison game, we could talk all day about that. And how detrimental that can be, but you're right. And COVID-19, it's been very present. Someone else is doing better than me. Why are they not? Why am I not doing the way they are? Right. And why did I get COVID and someone didn't? And that comparison game really does. It hurts your brain and gives you 
all of those bad feelings. Um, you're right. And trusting the new normal, we're not there yet because there are so many variants and so many things going on. Right. So we're, what can I trust when I can, what can I not trust? Those are important things. Um, but it's not easy to, to have that mindset, right. To get that growth mindset and that concept. So is there a way that people can like get it? Or is there something people can do when listening to the podcast to help themselves set up that kind of mindset? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And thanks for bringing that up, Marcy, because, you know, I don't want this growth mindset to be like, oh, it's easy, easy to get this because it's not, it's like any other skill that we want to try to have. It takes time, effort, and practice. Yeah. And there's no snapping your fingers and changing the way you think, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's molded for each individual to help them find the appropriate help they need and desire. And so my growth mindset might be a little bit different than your mindset because of your different experiences and situations and, you know, even your personality. But the different tips and tricks that I'll talk about for this growth mindset, um, Sorry, I scrolled up on you. Were you reading my screen? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Um, no, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. That's okay. It's all right. So um, we'll get relieved. Yeah. Maybe we're here. It sounded like we were headed kind of here. This is where you were headed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me say that again. You're fine. yeah so each so the tips and tricks for a growth mindset is being able to recognize that we are unique Mm -hmm. as individuals that my mindset my growth mindset is different from yours and that we don't have to be the same and this COVID-19 pandemic has thrown our emotions for a loop, you know, even as adults. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, we've seen that in our children. We've seen that in you know, kids that we work with, but it's hard to admit when even us as adults have been thrown for a loop. And so the Atlantic article states that some people get relieved that reopenings are happening, but when they do, all these feelings come up and they are not sure how to deal with these feelings. And the article states, quote, people don't recognize themselves. They say, I used to be the person who dealt with really hard things. I had parents questioning whether they were even meant to be a parent, end quote. Yeah. I was on a talk this week with a um, school psychologist for a college. And he said, college students are there lacking identity. I don't know who I am anymore because the last couple of years have been really interrupting of who they thought they were. Right. And they challenged us all to change our mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can be devastating to hear other people say that. Yeah. Because you want the best for yourself, but you also want the best for your loved ones and your friends and even strangers. Yeah. 
That's a good point. And, and we do talk about trauma when we talk about COVID and, and I'm sure people have heard that in our previous episodes. Um, do you want to kind of explain what we mean by trauma though, when we're talking about COVID-19 um, in a more general kind of bigger sense? Yeah. Yep. And those different types of trauma. Well, first of all, those comments that we just talked about, you know, the self-identities uh, crises that it, that is, it is trauma related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I jumped and, over you there. <laughs> so, but no, it is trauma related. You're right. Those comments are trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's different types of trauma and, you know, there's big T traumas and then there's little T traumas and big T traumas are events that are more commonly known to the public, like, and these events can include like serious injury, sexual violence, natural disasters, and anything that is life-threatening. And people that go through these big T traumas, they feel powerless and focus on the lack of control they have in their environments. And then there's the little T traumas. And this is less known or less talked about in public. And Those events can include emotional abuse, divorce, prolonged stress that can definitely affect one's mental health, but each, each are validated. So each of these types validate the feelings that people have during their struggles. And the Atlantic article states, quote, big T traumas and little t trauma, both meaningfully affect one's mental health. We can be too nitpicky about where something ends and something else begins. If someone feels bad and it affects their day-to-day life, it's a mental health problem. And I don't really care what you call it, end quote. And this quote can empower many people. I mean, it, it, it has already empowered myself as I read it. Yeah. I mean, it really encapsulates MHA's mindset, right? Where we all have a brain, we all have mental health. It can be good, bad on a spectrum of wherever, right? And that's individual spectrums. We're not looking at it objectively from an outside view. Um, And I really think that's important because yeah, all of this is trauma and we all have to deal with it, right? Or else we're just going to move forward and it's not going to look great um, when we move forward. So yeah, I think that's important. Um, And you're you brought into this conversation to a piece of the big T and little treat. Some of that is we all had some of that beforehand before COVID hit us, right? We had those moments where we were questioning ourselves. We were comparing ourselves to others. We thought maybe we weren't that little voice in your head that says you're not good enough and all of that, all that's mental health. Right. And we brought that to the table and then a pandemic hits, right? And then we're all seeing the pandemic, whether you were affected majorly or minorly, you were still affected, right? Everybody around you was dealing with an extra stressor, another thing to worry about. So I do think that's important to like differentiate the different types of trauma, but also acknowledge the trauma in the room, right? That elephant in the room (laughs) is that COVID is real and it's hit all of us differently, right? And I think that's really important. And you talked about that growth mindset before and stuff being very individual, but trauma is also individual, right? And how that falls. Um, yeah. Um, so what do you have to say to people who were like questioning their worth before the pandemic, uh, and had poor self-esteem? Is there, 
like a word for like how they're getting through things. Sorry, this was a really bad seg. <laughs> Let me think yes. of a better seg. <laughs> so, no, I love that. You were great about the MHA mentality. Like that is, that quote is us, right? <laughs> so how do we seg into survival mentality? Um, let's see here. No, actually, I was just going to do it. Go to for it. You're fine. <laughs> um, so yes, Marcy, I, I love that you focused on the individuality of coping skills of, and even traumas Mm -hmm. and, you know, growth mindset. It is all based on individuality. And, you know, you even talked about how we cope with these different struggles and, but, but it all is, has something in common and that is survival mentality. Okay. Because you know, we are all affected by COVID-19. We are affected in our worth, as we have seen in the past comments, and our self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But, and we, we see ourselves negatively now. And we see ourselves negatively because it's being, because we are trying to survive. And that, that's the end of it. We are in survival mode. And we can't see ourselves in a different way. So this survival mentality has been a constant in our lives the last two years. And we can feel remorse for the pre-COVID days. And we can be depressed by the amount of loved ones we have lost, the lack of socialization, and the jobs we've lost. And I want to state a quote from the Atlantic article and it states, and quote, Loss can linger than expected. The time frame for recovering from disasters is measured not in months, but in years or decades, end quote. And I think this, I know this statement is so important for many people to understand Mm -hmm. because we think that we should get back up and go to work and live that robotic life and get back to quote unquote normal. But we can't, we have to realize that this pandemic is still in play. It is still affecting many people around us. And we cannot think that because it has not affected our own loved ones, it won't affect other people's loved ones. And that quote, said that it takes years or decades to recover from disasters. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with that statement hundred percent. And we have data showing that, like, we know there are graphs now that show us that mental health ramifications of COVID are going to come to a peak, right? About two years after the pandemic ends. So let alone during. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have data to back that up. It's not just a hunch, right? <laughs> So yeah, unfortunately, disasters, you're right, are hitting everyone differently. Um, And going back to normal really is going to be not possible. So dealing with the new normal is really important. You're right. Yeah. And I'll just quote another statement from the article, quote, recovery from disasters is usually gauged in the terms of dollars regained, jobs restored, and infrastructure rebuilt. Mental health is harder to measure and so easier to ignore, 
end quote. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier to ignore. And you just talked about the different data that we have claiming and proving that we will have, you know, that peak two years after this, this COVID-19 pandemic is over. But it's so hard for society to embrace that because we, we like to see recovery in dollars, jobs restored and infrastructure rebuilt. And yeah. it's hard to measure, to measure mental health. It is and, hard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the data I'm showing is actually a suicide peak. Like we hit a suicide peak. And so then the ramifications of those suicides, right, go out and we're really trying to break that peak ahead of time. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and our mental health professionals are up to their eyeballs, right? And trying to help people and they will be, and we're going to have to think about that moving forward. Um, Yeah, we need to work on our own mental health individually. You need to be able to get help when you need it, right? Uh, And measuring that stuff is hard. I can tell you as someone who tries to do it. So, but you're right. We find comfort in saying, oh, we got this many dollars. We got a job and infrastructure. Like we pretend that's going to make all the other stuff go away. And it doesn't, does it? (laughs) So, yeah. And you mentioned everyone in the world's affected by the pandemic, uh, how it's affected mental health, even on a a small scale for some people on a very large scale for others, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Marcy, I I hope that this COVID-19 pandemic helps us not ignore mental health measures. And, you know, I think... I mean, personally, I have seen mental health be more of a topic in society because of Mm COVID-19. So I just hope that that continues in this progressive ladder so that we can, we can change the mental health care system so that these professionals are not up to their eyeballs in work. It's important to do. Yeah. We need to set up a system that works for people where they are and how they are. It's going to be tough, but we can do it. We're MHA. We have grand plans. People just need to start listening to us better, right? (laughs) And we need to listen to the people who need help too. So, Um, but yeah, I do think that some of the conversation we've had previously too brings up the grief and the mourning uh, that has happened with COVID-19 because we cannot ignore that it's killed a lot of people, right? And it's also uh, affected a lot of jobs. It may have caused people to change their where they go to school or where they live. Even I've heard of people doing lots of moving, uh, during COVID-19. So changing jobs in the middle, right. We saw what we had, weren't happy with it, moved to something better, hopefully. Right. But there's still a grief, even when it's a positive move. Um, so I wanted to know kind of like, okay, so we were talking about that grief stuff. Um, sorry, I lost my thought. I was going to seg really well into this next paragraph. I totally lost it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Everyone has been affected by the pandemic. We'll pick up there. How's that? 
Yeah. Everyone in the world was affected by the de- pandemic. We've seen how it has worked on our mental health. We've acknowledged before the grief that has existed, uh, many different types of grief. Like maybe you've changed jobs and you had to leave your friends and family and physically move. Maybe you had to change schools uh, because the virtual school system wasn't working for you or because it was working for you. You know, it can change in any way. Um, just kind of curious, like, what you think is interesting and if you have more to talk about on that that issue yes I appreciate you bringing that up uh, bringing that up in in meaning you know the grief that we all have experienced with COVID-19 and how it is okay to mourn the loss of the year and a half we have had taken away from us or events that didn't happen like graduation or prom or job promotions you know Mm -hmm. different things and how loved ones that have suffered and many other things from this COVID-19 pandemic and there's a quote from the Atlantic article that was really interesting quote I don't know anyone who looks to the U.S. as a model for grieving and mourning we don't talk about loss by and large it's all about consumption to help numb you out, end quote. And I think that is true, that some people don't know how to mourn or are scared to mourn for fear of the judgment they will receive from others. And, you know, people that want to get to, get to quote unquote, back to normal, are those people that have a hard time grieving And it's hard to accept that our society has changed because change is hard. Mm -hmm. And I get that change is hard. And I get that each person gets to the acceptance point of change at different levels. And so I hope this quote can hit somebody else like it did for me because it hit me so hard and made me realize it is okay to mourn Mm -hmm. the things that I have lost. I mean, I'll go into a personal story. I I didn't have a graduation for my bachelor's level of social work. And that was hard. I didn't realize that until a year later. (laughs) Yeah. it, it, It definitely hit. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of people. There were a lot of things we didn't realize we were grieving. You know, the number of Netflix binging that went up was not just for lockdown times. It's been also for the getaway factor, right? The numb me out factor, I think. So not just to pick on Netflix, any kind of streaming service, right? But I do think that's true. And I think we all got a little numbed out for a while. And then it's time now to start processing some of that grief. I think that's important. But yeah, some of these things will show up. Like maybe your wedding wasn't as big as you thought. I know I had lots of family members that you know, had weddings planned for 2020 and the wedding might've happened, but it wasn't the same, right? Certain people weren't present. So there's a lot of grief to be had and just knowing how to mourn is really important. So, yeah, but, you know, as we all look through our mourning and process it, um, really a lot of people are reaching out to the mental health care system. And I think that's important in Kentucky. Uh, and there are, is, you know, there are people in Kentucky who are able to help you. So if you're listening to this and we're talking about fixing the system, we're not saying that there are not people available. 
All right. There are people who have a lot of appointments still open. Uh, there is treatment available. So I don't want to pretend that everyone is so busy that it's that you shouldn't call. Don't be hearing that from us. All right. That is not what we're trying to say. Right, Rebecca. So yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the mental health system really does lack some professionals in this area of grief. There is some lack of it. There's some lack of training. Um, and people are pushing for that change and, and advocating for it, which is something that you recognized as well. Um, yeah. And I, I did recognize it. And a question that came to my mind was why now are people fighting more for this change in the mental health care system? And I truly believe it is because we are experiencing this negative effect on our own personal mental health and we don't like it. No, we don't like to feel in or out of control with our mental health. We love to be in control, have a routine, be in a safe environment and learn how to fix things. And that's just because we are human beings <laughs> who thrive on that control and comfortableness. So when our mental health is negative, it can feel like we are being controlled by it. And, you know, we can still continue to push for that change in the mental health care system and learn new, healthier coping skills. Yeah. And I think this is one of those places where I'll plug our screenings too. You know, if you're one of those folks who is like, I want to get better and I don't know how, where to start. I don't know what's really going on with me. I can't put words to it. I think a mental health screening that we offer is really important. Uh, we have depression, we have anxiety. Uh, are you worried that you're drinking too much, right? We have that, we have addiction. So you can take the screening and the big part of the screening is not necessarily to slap a label on you, right? It gives you really that a spectrum of, you might be moderately having issues and it's time to see someone and this is the kind of provider uh, you might wanna see. And then like, oh, you're having some serious problems. Here's some numbers, right, to reach somebody. But then there's also DIY tools because there are things you can do to help yourself get out stinking thinking, uh, to view the world a little differently. Maybe it gives you a little touch of something that's happening different. So I think it's important not just to plug our screenings because I love people to take them, but also because they're really helpful right now. And they're helpful to even people like me who do this education in ABC on a regular basis, right? So uh, our screenings are available at mhaky.org. There's a screenings tab uh, right on the front page. Uh, feel free to go take them. They're free. They're online. They're anonymous. You can email yourself the results if you want to, to share them with the doctor. Um, but there's no necessity to have to do that in a lot of cases. A lot of people just get a lot of benefit from knowing that they're doing well, or maybe they're not doing as well. And here's some ways to fix it at home. Right. And that's okay. That's part of the spectrum that we're really fighting for. It's not necessarily having, you know, a psychiatrist every single place. I would love to have that. But I know realistically that's not always possible, but feeling like people can know where to get good information to help themselves. I think we know that this world has been full of misinformation and having really solid things that work that have been tried and true and tested by lots of people um, that are in our screenings, those things have been done. And so I think that helps a lot. Um, so let's go ahead and pull us into an episode recap though, Rebecca, for all the things that we were talking about a little bit. So people can leave us with remembering some top line items. <laughs> yeah, I know that was a lot to take in. Um, mm -hmm. So for a recap of this episode, we have learned that quote unquote normal is not as realistic as it seems. We have talked about growth mindset and the stereotypes of it. 
and what it actually is. We have talked about how recovery in mental health is measured and how hard it can measure it, but it's not impossible. And the last thing I want you all to take from this is give yourself some grace and know that your traumas, your coping skills, and your growth mindset is unique for you and it will be unique for everybody else. And so it is important to remember that it takes time to learn how to reprioritize our goals and how and learn how to implement a growth mindset in our lives. So don't get discouraged and give yourself that grace. What a great way to end it. Giving grace. I've been adding that a lot to a lot of things. I said, I think I stole that from you uh, from a lot of my speaking engagements. I talk about giving yourself and others grace, right? Having room for both of you to grow. I think that's super important. You're right. Uh, well, thank you all for listening today to episode four. Um, if, you have any questions or need any resources, we are available online at www.mhaky.org. Our phone number you can call or text if you're not a caller is 859-684-7778. And there will be some additional resources on COVID-19 and mental health on our website as well. So hang out with us, take care of yourself. We all have mental health. I hope you're going to take care of yours. Have a good day. Not my best job, but good job, Rebecca. You saved it. There were several times I'm like, we're going to cut me out and just go with Rebecca. <laughs> good job. <laughs> These are hard, aren't they? They take your brain for a yeah. while. And my brain kept getting text. So I was trying to put my phone, I put my phone face down so I would stop getting distracted because family texts are very distracting when somebody died right so it's like oh did we lose another one? Oh no <laughs> no they're talking about a denver vacation i'm like that is not a family text moment right now we were just talking about a funeral can we just not like switch gears so quickly y'all <laughs> half an hour between funeral arrangements and a vacation like the power of grief huh? yeah the Timmerman family vacation is going to happen because yeah, they're all flying and yeah, it's yeah. They're all flying around right now. Yeah. That's exactly what that was. The grief response of we're going to do this because we're not putting it off any longer. Yeah. <sighs> well, we had Beth just had a baby. So we, were, we put it off this year because, you know, pregnant sucks to be on places. And so does a little tiny baby is very hard. So, you know, a tiny baby that doesn't like people because she's a COVID baby. Yeah. It's fun. I do want to stop recording so that then <gasps> shoot I'm so sorry